What is up, my dudes and ladies? I'm Ian Houseman, your guide to the uh, 21st century, and if you're a fair-minded individual who um, knows right from wrong, who can understand, you know, when someone is being unfairly persecuted, this has been a very upsetting week for you. President Trump, the rightful president, has been indicted over BS charges. Also, Tucker Carlson is being sued by Fox over breach of contract for for, you know, we're gonna get we're gonna get into that story a little later, and also the um, SC chairman Gary Gensler is suing two major cryptocurrency exchanges, Binance and Coinbase, which is a really which is an all-out attack on cryptocurrency and people's economic freedom. You know, cryptocurrency I've been saying for a while is an off-ramp from the corrupt economic system that we're kind of like really opening our eyes that we're really re revealing. Over the last couple of years. So we have a lot to be angry about. But when you think about it, we also have a lot to be excited about because this is a sign that the uh, powers of corruption are getting desperate. They're losing the information war and they're running out of arrows in their quiver. So to get started here, let's just look at this piece by um, the Gateway Pundit. The regime strikes back. On same day, Document is released that shows Joe Biden taking $5 million bribe from Ukraine. Biden DOJ announces Trump's federal indictment on junk charges. And for the most part, I like Gateway Pundit, but they're kind of, they can, they kind of peddle in anger porn, outrage porn. But this is a, this is a good article here. Earlier today, the House Oversight were able, were finally allowed by the corrupt Biden FBI to view an unclassified document proving Joe Biden was taking bribes from Ukraine for political favors. This is the most egregious criminal accusation against any sitting president. Biden is not the president. He stole the election. He's, I call him the resident. And so should you. GOP Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene on Thursday emerged from the skiff and revealed explosive information about the uh, Biden bribery document. The Ukraine Biden bribery evidence was first presented to the FBI by a trusted, highly credible, well-paid informant back in 2017. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, enjoyed a highly lucrative position as a board member of Burisma Holdings, a Ukrainian natural, natural gas company. According to MTG, the bribery allegations appeared to involve Mykola uh, Zlokevsky, a Ukrainian oligarch who hired Hunter Biden to serve on the board of Burisma Holdings. And it goes on to deliver, it goes on to recount all the dirty dealings. But according to a Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the informant said the Burisma owner claimed to have two pieces of evidence showing proof of payment to Hunter, and specifically Joe Biden. The FBI has never investigated the Biden crime family crime family crimes. They've never investigated the hundreds of crimes in the, uh, and this poor piece of evidence here that just, it's a runoff setting. But the regime strikes back. Just four hours later, President Trump announced he had been indicted on junk charges by a politicized special counsel. So... That just sums up the whole situation here. The um, people are, the public is learning the truth about the corruption in our system. And so the corruption is striking back. That doesn't mean they're winning. That means they're desperate. So we're going to go through a whole lot of stories here and a whole lot of um, analysis. If you find this content valuable, uh, please share it. Please subscribe to my channel, whether you're watching on Rumble, Odyssey, or on the podcast. And I've got a few resources for you. Go on over to uh, natehouseman.net, and I've got some other articles from around the web.
And I got a special resources page here. We can click on links to various things to, I've got affiliate links to various services and products that'll really help you out in these troubling times. One of those resources, which is also, I got a link in the description, is NordVPN. A VPN, and Nord is one of my favorites to use here, but um, a VPN stands for Virtual Private Network, and it'll protect your privacy when you're when you're browsing online. You activate it, you um, and you can log on to like any server around the world in NordVPN's you know arsenal, and your your data is protected and kept private from prying eyes. Like whether it's you're on social media, whether you're on a browser that may not have the best protection. I've been saying for a while. If the government wants to, um, and we're going to see in this in this program here, if the government or a um, cantankerous, malignant power wants to uh, get you on, blame you for something or accuse you of something, they'll make something up or they'll find anything from your from your past, whether it's you know legit or not. I know you're all law-abiding citizens, but Stalin's chief chief of secret police once said, "Bring the man, and I'll find you the crime." So protect your information with NordVPN. Click affiliate link is in the description, or you can go to uh, nahausman.net and go to the resources tab. But um, do yourself a favor, and you'll also be supporting my program. Let's move on here. Last Refuge has a pretty good, um, excuse me, the Concerted Treehouse, which is also known as Last Refuge, has a pretty good rundown of the Trump indictment situation. President Trump announced via Truth Social he has been indicted by the Joe Biden DOJ for documents held in Mar-a-Lago, formerly raided by the FBI. Remember that last August. According to initial media reports, the DOJ has filed an indictment consisting of seven counts. There are no specific there are no specifics on the charges. President Trump has been told to report to federal court in Miami on Tuesday at 3 p.m. New York Times, according to the New York Times, while the nature of a few of the documents found in Mr. Trump's possession is known, he had he had held onto letters from the North Korean dictator Kim Jong Un, Kim Jong Un, for example. It remains unclear what other classified materials were found at Mar-a-Lago and what national security damage his possession of them caused, if any. If any is the cute phrase there. Watch to see the silence of the Republican uh, twenty-four candidates. The case against President Donald Trump might look bad on paper because that is what the case against Donald. Donald Trump is, suppo is supposed to do. However, ultimately, this case is on a trajectory to go up to a much higher court in discovery and pretrial argument because eventually these definitions are going to become an issue for the prosecution. The tell. The author says, here's the tell that every pundit, analyst, and litigation expert will pretend they don't notice. It's the funniest part of the entire thing, and yet no one, again, except us, is noticing it. The DOJ has already predicated their baseline of their claim by saying they cannot tell anyone, even the court, what the nature of the documents are that underpin their assertion. Remember, they would even let a court-appointed special master review the documents. Stop and think about that for a moment. No one knows what the documents are, and the DOJ has stated they will never say what the documents are. The DOJ has filed a case about mishandling of documents in whatever legal construct they put forth, while simultaneously saying there are no one under obligation tell anyone what the documents are. DOJ, Trump violated USC 793 in his discussion and or handling of documents. Trump lawyers, what documents? 
DOJ. We're not telling. So really, they don't have any. If they if they're not producing evidence, they don't have any evidence. I kind of got into a I got into it with some left wing crazies on Twitter saying just that same thing, and they said, "Oh, we've got whistleblowers. We've got we've got we've got them on tape. We've got them on whatever." And and they're pretending like the Russia collusion hoax never happened. You know, Adam Schiff, John Brennan, James, you know, James Comey, they all said, oh, we've got, we've got definitive evidence. we got ironclad evidence that Donald Trump killed with Russia. And they never produced it. So they've got nothing. We're going to get back to a conservative treehouse a little bit later, kind of like analyzing this whole thing. But um, let's move on to the Fox News Tucker Carlson situation. Fox News considers legal action against Tucker Carlson for launching Twitter show. So Fox News is saying, oh, they still have Tucker under contract, even though they're not letting him broadcast anymore. So why don't they just fire him? Why don't they just terminate the uh, employment? Because they don't want him talking. Tucker Carlson, remember, has the uh, January 6th video. He's not the only one anymore. We're gonna get to, we're gonna get to that get to that later. Fox News said Tucker Carlson violated his contract when he posted his own show to Twitter Tuesday evening. Axios reported. Fox News is considering legal action against Tucker Carlson. Tucker launched episode one of his new show on Twitter Tuesday night. At the time of this publication, Tucker's first episode has nearly 92 million views. And the you know, how long is this? Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. Ten, it's ten, ten and a half minutes here, according to the timer. We need to listen to it now. I'm sure you you can you can watch it on Twitter. Tucker Carlson is a powerhouse without Fox News. Now Fox is coming for Tucker. So Tucker used his national audience on on Fox to build up his street cred and show that hey. He is separate from all the other talking heads. He actually cares about truth. And now he is huge without the network news. Cable news is officially dead. It's terminally ill. It's on the way out. The internet, social media, YouTube, Rumble, podcasts, blogs, they are the new media. We are the new media. And Tucker Carlson is going to lead the way. Now, they powers of be are crazy afraid of Tucker because, like I said, he's got the January uh, 6th video. And so does John Solomon. And we're going to look at that a little bit later here. But um, what's funny is Fox News is heavily controlled by its shareholders, but not necessarily its shareholders, by the um, organizations that operate and control the shares, like BlackRock and Vanguard. We've all heard about how these huge, you know, financial institutions are able to um, control corporations and force them to um, abide by ESG, DEI compliance. We've seen that how, we've seen how financial institutions and banks are controlling corporations like Bud Light, like Target, like Disney. These institutions control the money and therefore they're able to control the, um, the corporations. So Fox is pretty much BlackRock's puppet. So a little bit later, I'm going to discuss how 
you can take your money out of BlackRock if you have it in there and move it somewhere where you have control. So, or maybe you can join a class action lawsuit against, you know, BlackRock. Who knows? I'm not part of them, but that's up to you. I'm, I'm not, this is not financial advice. This is just information and education. Now, talking about money, we also see the SEC sues the biggest names in crypto, Binance and Coinbase in a double whammy for the sector. So the SEC, which is the Securities and Exchange Commission, sued the crypto exchange Binance on Tuesday. And the next day, they sued Coinbase. These are the two biggest cryptocurrency exchanges operating in the United States and really around the world. So an exchange is a place where you can buy and sell crypto, invest in it, where you can trade, where you can where you can invest, where you can buy crypto with leverage to increase your investment. And, you know, if you're, if you're a skilled trader or if you uh, have the right signals in the right Discord group or whatever, you can make money buying and selling and day trading or whatever. Binance and Coinbase let you do that, along with BitGet, along with BitFi, along with Uphold. These, these are exchanges which I've promoted in the past. Well, let's read this Forbes article. The U.S. regulatory financial body has sued both Binance and Coinbase, two of the biggest fish in the crypto industry, this week. Both companies deny running unregistered securities and defying re regulatory structures. Bitcoin dropped 6%, while Coinbase's share price plunged by 20% at one point during trading. It's been another dramatic week in the crypto world, and it's only Wednesday. This article's from two days ago. The Securities Exchange Commission showed that it isn't pulling punches by going after the two biggest, two most prominent names in the business, Binance and Coinbase, slapping them both with lawsuits, accusing them of registered securities violations. I won't go through the whole article, but... Coinbase in particular has argued that the SEC has not provided clear rules on how to register their company as a proper, you know, platform for securities. You know, the SEC under the leadership of Gary Gensler has just been hemming and hawing, and they've been they've been muddying the waters. Gary Gensler is such a corrupt piece of shit. He we're going to see that he doesn't really like crypto at all. He wants it shut down because it's a threat to the banking system. So why is the SEC suing finance? They claim that um, the gripes against the finance and the CEO, Chang Peng Zhao, are numerous. The court filing accused the top crypto exchange company of secretly sending billions of dollars worth of customer funds between companies controlled by Zhao. There are 13 civil charges in total, including an accusation of Zhao secretly controlling the finance.us platform, despite claiming to have no involvement in it. Now, it was Coinbase's turn the very next day, with the SEC filing a lawsuit against the U.S. crypto exchange, accusing it of similar misconduct to Binance. The top financial watchdog claims Coinbase, which holds up to $130 billion in assets, has been operating unregistered securities and it has Coinbase's staking as a service program in its crosshairs. So, yeah, Coinbase rebutted the claim, saying the SEC's reliance on an enforcement-only approach in the absence of clear rules for the digital asset industry is hurting America's economic competitiveness, and that the company has demonstrated a commitment to compliance. The SEC doesn't want compliance. They want to, they want to shut you down. 
So now I've got a service here where um, if you don't like your retirement retirement you know account be controlled by BlackRock, and if you want a platform that hasn't been taken on by um, SSE just yet, I've got a I've got an affiliate link down below to a service called iTrust Capital. Now they are they are a platform that lets you um invest in crypto and gold and silver into your retirement account. So what's really insidious about BlackRock is they control these major corporations with shares of your money, specifically your retirement your retirement money. If you have a 401k or a pension, it's probably in something like a mutual fund or an index fund. And BlackRock or Vanguard, they're managing it for you. If you don't care for that, you can take control or you can roll it over into another retirement plan like the one offered by iTrust. So you can invest in crypto, or if you're not in, interested in crypto, you can put your money into gold and silver. So click on the link below, and if the, if you if you're so inclined, and take your take control of your um, own retirement plan. But um, no word yet on whether iTrust is, you know, in the um. SEC's crossers, yeah, yeah. There are there are reasons to um, be critical of Binance and Coinbase, whether the, whether or not they're valid is um, we'll, we'll probably see in court. But really, the point is not to um really uphold the law. It's or make clear rules for um, regulation. We're going to see that it's all about checking that crypto. Crypto cannot be taken down. It's worldwide. True crypto, like Bitcoin, is decentralized. It is. It runs on devices all around the world. No single organization or person or government controls Bitcoin. And that scares the banking system. The clock is ticking for um, these um, regulators because in July, the Federal Reserve is going to, uh, going to release their FedNow program, which is a, basically a digital dollar. Now, you can you can send money electronically over the over the web, but it's based on very old software, and it runs through clearinghouses the same way a written check goes through. It has to be cleared. What the Federal Reserve and central banks around the world are working on is what's called a central bank digital currency, which is an electronic currency controlled by a central authority like the central bank. And they're going to claim that it's, you know, it's an easy way to send money and pay for goods and services electronically. But if it's centrally controlled, then they can shut your money off if they don't like you. If they don't like your political, you know, stance. If they think, oh, you've ordered too many pizzas, you need to slim down. We're going to make, we're going to only let you order salad. They can they can decide whether you can buy gas or not. They can just, they can control your money electronically. That's why Bitcoin and other cryptos are so important in this you know battle against corruption. So let's move on here. Let's let's talk about uh, the SEC battle with um this article from CoinDesk. This is a uh, titled "The SEC is Fighting the Last War" and really explains 
why these two these two um lawsuits are so bogus. U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission wanted to punch of suits against Binance and Coinbase this week. Hardly came out of the blue. The question of how to regulate crypto exchanges has been at high simmer for years. While the specifics of their approach are eminently debatable, the SEC was bound to go after the big boys sooner rather than later. But the messaging surrounding the suits makes the SEC's recent moves seem reactive, political, and frankly, just beneath the bluster, weak. Specifically, the SEC seems to be trying out, trying to put Coinbase and Binance into the same bucket as the frauds of 2022, such as Luna, Celsius, and worst of all, FTX. The SEC has been widely viewed as giving FTX deferential treatment before it was revealed as a massive fraud. It wasn't just a fraud. It was a money laundering operation for, you know, certain politicians by way of Ukraine. So now it's demonstrating that it can really be a hard-nosed regulator. It's just doing so a couple years late and to the wrong targets. Essentially, the SEC wants the public to see the current suits as part of a campaign against fraud. In reality, the suits represent a paternalistic attempt to keep people from making what the SEC reviews as the wrong kind of investments. That inflation is obviously deeply unfair, both to the companies being targeted, Coinbase especially, and to an American public that looks to the SEC for expertise. Well, what's really going on is the more these organizations, the more these big shots, you know, accuse and go after well-meaning patriots, the more people are going to realize, hey, they're the bad guys. President Trump, Binance, Coinbase, Tucker, they're not really the ones on trial. It's the people who are accusing them who are. The SEC, like all legislators and regulators, can't be expected to distinguish between the crimes that break the law and sins that actually harm and exploit people. Regulators enforce codes, not morality itself. But that doesn't mean such distinctions don't exist. The SEC's core claim in its charges against Coinbase is simply that the exchange has made calculated business decisions to make crypto assets available for trading in order to increase its own revenues, which are primarily based on trading fees from customers. There's a complete de- there's a complete debate to be had about whether Coinbase could have complied with the rules the way the SEC says it should have. But the substance of the SEC claim here is that Coinbase broke the rules by creating service that customers, including the author, actually use, and then tried to make it better. Whatever that is, to paraphrase Mae West, it ain't no sin. Yet the Coinbase charges are being torturously represented as protecting investors against some manipulative, horrifying predator. SEC Director of Enforcement, Gerber S. Gruel, in a quote which the SEC has highlighted on social media, alleges that Coinbase's calculated decisions allowed it to earn billions at the expense of investors by depriving them of the protections to which they were entitled. Well, so does that's the same as any other like exchange, like the stock exchange or Fidelity or Robinhood or Webull. Binance, by contrast, does stand accused of a few things that look like genuine sins, particularly price manipulation to harden customers. But other charges against Binance about amounts to a denial of its right to provide services that customers clearly want. If the protections Gruel wants include standards for reporting and transparency around assets similar to what exists in the stock market, it seems clear that both the U.S. and global exchanges would welcome such a regime. Fun fact, the SEC appears to think crypto exchanges are exploiting their customers, 
simply by allowing them to do so anything so foolish as buying cryptocurrency under their own free will. And here is the uh, quote that really got Gensler in trouble with the uh, crypto community. The SEC suit against Coinbase in particular hinges on the moral pres presumption that cryptocurrency is inherently fraudulent and valueless. This allows them to paint Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong as the same as Sam Bankman-Fried and the public eye. Despite the fact that the first was able, has able to run a stable and trustworthy service for a decade, and the second was an incompetent boo with zero moral compass or basic mathematical ability. SEC Chair Gary Gensler advanced that mudding agenda this one morning on CNBC. He first made noises about the SEC's supposed neutrality on asset on quality, but then he launched into a sweeping and frankly boneheaded disquisition disquisition against crypto as such, declaring, we don't need more digital currency. We have digital currency. It's called the US dollar. It's called the euro. It's called the yen. They're all digital right now. That's not just an embarrassing misrepresentation, but one Gensler knows, must know the truth of. After all, he taught MIT students about blockchains. He can't possibly actually believe there's no distinction between the banking rails over which he and the rest of the US government have been increasingly oppressive direct politicized control, and monetary cryptocurrency networks, they don't and ultimately can't control. That's the money shot right there. That is the main drive of, that's the main point of the whole issue here. The uh, government can't control Bitcoin. They can't control genuine crypto that's decentralized on the blockchain. They can control the dollar. They control the Federal Reserve note. And any country control can control the euro or the yen or whatever their national currency is, because they print it. They want a centrally controlled electronic currency, like I said. What Gary Gensler is doing is he's trying to um, make rules on money when really that's Congress's job. The Constitution gives Congress the power to coin money. The co Congress can say, we're going to peg the dollar to gold. They could say, they could decide that Bitcoin can be legal tender, like they decided over in El Salvador. That's Congress's call, not the SEC's. The SEC is part of the executive branch, and the executive branch's only job is to enforce the laws that Congress comes up with. So, But let's get back to the Tucker situation, because... Really at root of that is um, the January 6th footage. And some of that footage has also been given to John Solomon. He's a he's he's a bona fide patriot uh, media figure. And he runs the website Just News. And I really encourage you to go to justnews.com to see what they're publishing on the whole January 6th, you know, fiasco because it clearly was not an insurrection led by Trump. It was an insurrection led by the Democrats, by the left. Really had to cover up the real insurrection that was on uh, election night, November 3rd, 2020. But here's, a, here's an important article here. The CEO of Truth Social announces that the app has opened up globally. Former California Congressman and current CEO of Truth Social, Devin Nunes, announced Wednesday that the app has launched globally We've created a system that is a bulwark against big tech, Nunes said on Justin News No Noise TV show. 
We're not relying on any big tech, other than we have to be in the Google Play Store and in the Apple App Store. But we have no problem with that because we want to have a clean platform now that we are opened up globally. And you don't even need the app. You can go on you can go on your web browser and go to Truth Social's website. If you, if Truth Social was really smart, and I think they, I, think, I believe they actually, oh, actually, they actually released it before the um, Android version of the app. But there's such a thing as web apps, which aren't really part of either Google or Apple Play Store. They're just web-based apps that you can download from your browser. That's a free speech alternative, truly. But um, what True Social is, it's, you know, it's a competitor or it's an alternative to Twitter, even though Twitter has been taken over by the clearly white hat, uh, Elon Musk. There's issues over the CEO, but which I've gone over, but so far, Elon appears to be in control, still. But if Twitter ever, you know, does fall back into enemy hands, we have your social. So Tucker can go on there and post his information. And so can John Solomon. And so can any other, you know, truth-speaking American citizen using their God-given right protecting them the First Amendment. You see, we there's so many, we have so many resources to get around, you know, corruption here. We just have to like be open and open-minded. We just have to be open-minded to the possibilities of technology, of cryptocurrency, and really of technology that have that's been around for ages and have stood the test of time and resources like gold and silver, like things that have been proven throughout history. We're going to um, come back to uh, the Concerted Treehouse here and come back to the whole um, Trump situation because a few days before the indictment, the author of Concerted Treehouse blog posted an article about lawfare, what is really what this whole situation is about. They open up with an analogy. Do you remember prosecution witness number eight in the case against George Zimmerman? The person described as Trayvon Martin's girlfriend, who was claimed by four state prosecutors to be a star ear witness against Zimmerman. Remember when George Zimmerman shot and killed Trayvon Martin and his, you know, he was on trial for murder? Do you remember how we waited month after month, laughing at how the state of Florida was relying upon their one key witness, and we all knew it was totally made up? Do you remember the buildup, the drama, the media's breathless anticipation, and the eventual beverage that flushed out of your nose in laughter when the state called witness number eight and brought Rachel Jean Tell to the stand? Not only did she have no clue about any detail the prosecution was saying, she didn't fit any of the profile that she claimed to be her importance in the case. And not only could she not read the statement in the state of Florida claims she wrote, she didn't. Jean Tell didn't even know Trayvon Martin. She was completely manufactured by the prosecution because her mom was a friend of Trayv- was a friend of Trayvon's mom. Everyone wondered how in the hell the prosecution could even put her on sand. Do you remember that? The reason they put her on sand was because the prosecution of Trayvon's family had no choice. For over a year, they had hyped up this imaginary ear witness in an effort to convince Zimmerman to take a plea deal. That was the purpose of the fabrication. And when George Zimmerman didn't take the plea, when he forced the prosecution to put witness number eight on sand, the case collapsed because the case was manufactured. The author says, 
When people ask me about the DOJ and or Jack Smith bringing an indictment against President Trump, in many ways, I laugh while waiting for the DOJ to bring the proverbial Gene Tell to the court. The DOJ has to indict Trump for the same reason Angela Corey had to put Gene Tell on the stand. Their political narrative cases have to continue regardless of the evidence. Lawfare is a, is a construct for the media consumption intended to manipulate public opinion. Technically, lawfare doesn't need an actual viable legal argument behind it. Much like Zimmerman's imaginary witness number eight, lawfare can be assembled out of loincloth. However, at a certain point, that legal fabrication runs into the reality of a justice judicial system it is not designed to defeat. If the leaks to the media are accurate, we were right. Main Justice and DOJ Special Counsel Jack Smith have run headfirst into the problem that President Trump declassified all the documents he retained in Mar-a-Lago. Exactly. Trump was the president. He could declassify any any intel intelligence he wanted to. He declassified it simply by taking it out of security, taking it wherever, wherever he wanted. He had that, he has that authority as the president. The whole situation with um Biden's documents is he took them out while when he was not president, and he's not the president anyway. But back when he was the vice president, and even when he was a U.S. senator, he didn't have that authority then. Here's how the media are putting it. Back to the article. The Independent has learned that prosecutors are ready to ask grand jurors to approve an indictment against Mr. Trump for violating a portion of U.S. Criminal Code known as Section 793, which prohibits gathering, transmitting, or losing any information respecting the national defense. The use of Section 793, which does not take make reference to classified information, is understood to be a strategic decision by prosecutors that has been made to short-circuit Trump's ability to claim that he used his authority as president to declassify documents he removed from the White House and kept at his Palm Beach, Florida property long after his term expired on January 20th, 2021. That section of U.S. criminal law is written in a way that can encompass Trump's conduct even if he was authorized to possess the information as president because it states that anyone who lawfully having possession of, access to, control over, or being entrusted with any document relating to national defense and willfully communicates, delivers, transmits, or causes to be communicated, delivered, transmitted, or attempts to communicate, deliver, transmit, or cause to be communicated, delivered, transmitted to the same to any person not entitled to receive it, ugh, or willfully retains the same and fails to deliver it on demand to the officer or employee of the United States entitled to receive it, can be punished to as many as 10 years in prison. And there is a link in the article if you want to look at it. Main Justice is now stretching Code 793 to claim any document the government designates as a national security document is a national defense document. The author says, I'm almost certain this is because the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals ruled the DOJ can label whatever it wants, any form it wants. As long as the DOJ claims it is a national security interest, it becomes a national security interest. This really came from the arguments over the Mar-a-Lago documents. If the DOJ says a box of Cheerios is a national security threat, the judicial branch accepts that all Cheerio boxes are proffered national security concerns. It doesn't matter what the Trump documents are, as long as the DOJ can claim their vital national security interests. In the previous ruling of the Mar-a-Lago documents, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals did what the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, FISC, does with, okay, there are so many acronyms here. Does the DOJ, NSD, and any matters defined by the operating 
originating main justice officials as national security. The 11th, secu- the 11th Circuit deferred all definitions to the DOJ. The um, article goes on here. But to wrap it up, it says, the case against President Donald Trump might look bad on paper because that is what the case against Donald Trump was designed to do. Uh, Making the same point again. However, ultimately, this case is on a trajectory to go to a much higher court in discovery and pretrial argument because eventually these definitions are going to become an issue for the prosecution. And kind of goes over the same thing I read earlier. The tell is that every pundit, analyst, and litigation expert will pretend they don't notice. The funniest part of this whole thing, again, except us, is noticing it. The DOJ has already predicated the baseline of their claim by saying they cannot tell anyone, even the court, what the nature of the documents are that underpin their assertion. Remember, they wouldn't even let a court-appointed special master review the documents. It's clear to me the author uh, copy-pasted these two paragraphs from this article to the uh, other one. But it's a, it's a damn good point. How can you defend yourself in court when you don't know when the prosecution won't tell you what you did wrong? They're not telling us what Trump did wrong because they're not telling us what was in the uh, documents. Therefore, this case is bogus. And really, like, like I said, as president, Trump probably declassified this these documents. Why did he declassify them? Because he's got the dirt on all of the deep state. He probably declassified that information. And that's what they're scrambling to find and steal back. The case against George Zimmerman looked bad when everyone thought when his number eight was real. Hell, almost the entire country believed it. The case against Donald Trump is of a very similar lawfare intention to in construct. So what they're doing is they're trying to um, smear, they're trying to um, denigrate President Trump's good name like they have done ever since he came down the escalator because he's the one person they can't control. He's one person they can't bribe. He's one person they can't blackmail. His his escapades are well known. They're public. His um, they can't they can't blackmail him over that. And he's he's got and he's a billionaire. He's got money to burn. He's got he can hire the best lawyers. He's using himself as bait to draw out all of their you know hypocrisy, all their crimes. Like I said. Donald Trump is not really the one on trial. He's showing the whole world just how crooked the deep state is. So I say bring it on. Like I said, we have a lot to be angry about, but we have a lot to be um, excited about as well. And I want to um, close with a little article from last week. I want to talk, I wanted to talk about the whole debt ceiling uh, battle last week, but time got away from me. But... There's a, piece here, there's a piece here in Breitbart that says, that really tells us the Patriots, the Conservatives, they won the dead ceiling battle. It looks bad for everyone, but there's a little bit piece here that gives the Patriots control over spending. Exclusive. Republican leaders detail how debt ceiling will enable the appropriations process as a power tool to defund Joe Biden's agenda woke policies. House Republican Conference Chair Elise Stefanik House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan and Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene 
explained how the debt ceiling would enable Republicans to have leverage during upcoming spending battles to combat President Joe Biden's agenda and other woke policies. They snuck in a pivotal vote into the debt ceiling legislation, otherwise known as the Federal Fiscal Responsibility Act. The legislation would cut the deficit by $1.5 trillion over the next decade. Okay, I'm just looking for the I'm just looking for the main paragraph here, the main point. R Republican lawmakers explain. Okay. Lawmakers explained the debt ceiling legislation contains a crucial Republican division crafted by the Rules Committee member Thomas Massey that would automatically pass a continuing resolution with 1% across the board federal government cut if Congress fails to pass the 12 separate appropriations bills, which the Constitution stipulates. As Massey said during the House Republican conference meeting Tuesday night, the debt limit is a, the debt limit is a scrimmage match. The appropriations is the Super Bowl. Stefanik explained that the Appropriations Committee has already been working to identify waste, fraud, and abuse in the federal government, and appropriations process would allow Republicans to go after the deep state. So they were able to sneak it in. You know, the Republicans and Democrats, they they hemmed and hawed, they debated, they negotiated over, they blamed each other, they threw mud at each other, but they got in this appropriations, you know, clause in the bill. That gives the uh, Republican majority, really the patriots and, and, and the House of, House of Representatives to control the money in the government. If they don't like what the DOJ is doing to President Trump, they can cut off the DOJ's money. If they don't like what Gary Gensler is doing to the crypto industry, they can cut off the money to Gary Gensler. This is huge. In the fog of war, there are going to be, you know, setbacks in progress. We got to use what we can, and really, the good guys are using what they can, what they can, what they have to the biggest, to the best advantage, and so can we. So, like I said, utilize uh, NordVPN, utilize iTrust Capital to uh, take control of your money and take control of your data, and. Call your members of Congress if you're in a Republican district and tell them, hey, go after the DOJ, go after the SEC, go after Biden, cut off the money. We are winning. The only reason they're lashing out with all these lawsuits is because they're losing the information war and really they're losing all their the moves they can, they, can, they, can, uh, they can use. So with that, I will let you go. I'm Ian Hausman, letting you know it's okay to stand up for yourself. Have a good one.